I say that genuinely, but I say that because I have to, I have to acknowledge, I, I give my wife a hard time about being a hoarder. When we, when we talk about her preferences, she is, uh, think of a house and an atmosphere in your home. She is Victorian. She loves all the detail, the gingerbreading, all the, the doodads or whatever, the thingamabobs that are on the shelves, all the things everywhere. And I am Japanese minimalist. Concrete, glass, and steel. If my house was made of concrete, glass, and steel, you're shaking your head, yes? Okay, there's two of us. So I give her a hard time, at least two. I give her a hard time about being a hoarder. But here, here's the, the truth, if we can just all be honest. We're all hoarders. We're all spiritual hoarders. We hang on to things. And when we talk about renovation, thank you, Peggy, and reconstruction and God making changes, the first thing, we've talked about this, we've seen it in 2 Corinthians. And we're not in 2 Corinthians this morning, so for those of you who want a heads up, Matthew chapter 25, okay? There's your your cue to open your Bible to Matthew chapter 25. But we are in the midst of this series of renovation, and when renovation takes place, there always has to be the making room. There has to be the teardown. There has to be letting go of some things. Sometimes it's the past. I took down some cabinets. We're doing our kitchen, and I took down some cabinets, and there's this wallpaper behind the cabinets that is back in style now. I mean, it's so old that it's back in style. And the shelf lining. Ladies, you know the shelf lining? Guys, do you know shelf lining, what that is? No, you don't. I didn't. But there's this paper you put in your shelves, and it was like three layers, and, and someone had to let go of the past and put on and cover up with a new one, and it happened several times. Sometimes we just got to let go of the past. Sometimes we got to let go of offenses and hurts and wrongs that have been done. Sometimes we have to let go of pain. If you think about it with me, and you're honest, I think you'll agree that we're all spiritual hoarders, and if we had the ability to just kind of open up the mind, open up the heart, we would find these rooms with all kinds of clutter that Jesus has been saying, let go of that. That doesn't matter anymore. You don't need that. In fact, some of that stuff shouldn't be there because I've taken care of it. He's taken care of it. He's provided the means to take care of it. But we're spiritual hoarders and we hang on to it. So when we sing a song, make room, Stephen, get ready because God takes that very seriously. And if you're in a place where you're ready for God to do renovation and God has been speaking to you from 2 Corinthians as he has been speaking to me, hold on because he is ready to do the work. He's ready to do the work. There's an urgency to God's work in our lives. Now, for someone like myself in my early 60s, very early 60s, um, just for the record, you know, it's, it's possible to kind of just get in a routine. Life is measured in days and weeks and months and seasons and years, and it just seems like it's been around, I've been around for a very long time. And the danger, maybe for any of us, is to lose a sense of urgency in the moment that we're in. God doesn't lose a sense of urgency. He's always intentional. He's always on the move. He's always building his kingdom. He's always looking at his children and saying, I have work to do in you. The work that I started, I'm not done yet. I love what I, what, so far, but I have so much more. But boy, you got some rooms full of a lot of stuff. You're, 
if God would use these words, you're kind of a spiritual hoarder and you're holding on to all these things that I need you to let go of because I have some beautiful plans, some beautiful ways that I want to work in you and through you. And there's an urgency to this moment. There's an urgency to the moment in which we find ourselves. In Matthew chapter 24, and honey, I love you. Did you hear me say, I apologize for calling you a hoarder? Did you hear me say happy birthday? Did you hear me say that you turned 60 this week? Did you hear me say I'm looking for a hotel room tonight? Okay, okay. Matthew 24, Jesus is speaking to a a very uh, eclectic audience, and we know Matthew 24. If you've been going to the Wednesday night class, I'm sure it's been referenced. We're studying through Revelation on, on Wednesday nights in that class. But Matthew 24 is Jesus's take his announcement, his revelation, if you will, of what's happening. And he gives us some signs. He says, watch for this, look for this. There's mystery there. We disagree on maybe how that that lays out. But the bottom line is it's Jesus saying, there's an urgency to my plan. There is a timeline to my plan. And I'm gonna do some things in and through this world, and you, as my disciples, as my followers, need to know that there's an urgency to my plan, and there's an intentionality to when I put you on this planet in relationship to my plans. Can you say amen to that? Okay, we lose sight of that, don't we? Northern California, 2023. I mean, it's like, what in the world's going on in our world, right? What's going on in our lives? What's going on in our finances and rent? and in, in interest rates, and health, and, and education, and government, and all these things that affect us in our world. What is going on? And we lose sight sometimes of the fact that God has told us he's at work, he's in the midst of a plan that's unfolding, there's a timeline, and that we're a part of it. So if God is who he claims to be, and I believe he is, and that he has a plan that he claims to be intentional, and it's on a timeline, and the Father knows exactly when and how it's going to play out. And he's sovereign in putting me where he put me, when he put me, with who he put me. Then I should live with a sense of urgency that this is my moment. This is my moment. Now, if this is my moment, and as you read through Matthew 24, you see Jesus lay out the plans for this world, and they're good plans. They're scary Right when you think about his bigness and our littleness and what he's doing, but they're good plans, and he lays that out there, and I think, okay, now here's me in this moment. How do I fit into that moment? It's important that I pause and say, okay, this is our moment, and if that's all true, this is my moment. What should I? Here's what, and I don't want you to. I want you to think in your head. What should I not be doing with this moment? If all those things are true about who God is and his urgency and his plan and it's good and it's on a timeline, and here I am in 2023, July 2023, here's who I am, here's who he's made me to be, and here's who he's made me to live life with, and he's sovereign in that I'm living in Northern California in 2023. This is my moment. If that is all true, let's start with that. Think with me in your head. What should I not do with this moment? Things come to mind, right? They start, maybe sin comes to mind. Maybe there's a sin that we're struggling with, the temptation that we, we're giving into as a follower of Jesus that has no business in our life, but we're struggling with it. Well, that isn't what this moment is for, right? 
I'm kind of at a point in my life where the, the value that keeps sneaking up to the top of my value list, anybody guess what it is? My wife? Yes, yes, you're right, yeah, yeah. Amen, okay, good. Glad we had this talk, good. No, it's easy or comfort. The heat, we came, Becky and I came back from family camp yesterday so we could be here today and we got here about three in the afternoon and we were on the coast, near the coast and it was maybe 78, maybe 80 on a high and we'd come into the valley and we'd start unpacking our trailer and I think this is not easy. If you'd showed up at my house yesterday about four o'clock and say, I'll, I'll give you $5,000 for it, I would have taken it. And that's way less than what it's worth. But if you would have said five bucks, I might have taken it. You got to take it as it is, dirty and full of all stinky clothes and the food. It's yours. Because comfort and easy is moving up to the top. But you know what? If this is my moment, what I don't want to do with this moment is live for easy or live for comfort or live for me. If this is my moment, I, I got to really ask myself, what am I doing with what he's given me? Am I building, my, this, is, this moment is not for me to build my kingdom. You with me? Okay, you fill in the blanks there. You fill in the, what is this moment not? Now in a positive, what is this moment for? Chapter 25 is really interesting. I'll just let, we're gonna look at the middle section, but he starts with the 10 virgins and he gives this, Jesus, he just got finished in chapter 24. Here's the plan. Here's where it's going. Here's what's gonna happen. What, what do you think the disciples' first question was? When, yeah, what would be your first question? Okay, this is all great, Jesus, but when, when? And you remember, God consistently answers the when with what? Yeah, you don't get, yeah, wait and see. I'm good, trust me, but you don't get to know the when. So keep that in mind as we move through this. The first part of the chapter, he talks about the, the virgins and, and he paints this picture. If this is all gonna happen and there's an urgency and this is our moment, the lesson in that first parable, that first story, is you better be ready. You better be ready. The text that we're looking at this morning is the, the talents. And now he's gonna talk about this idea that this is your moment and I've given you something specific, specifically for your moment. Don't waste your moment. And it's going to end this morning. When we get to the end, there's going to be some tough words. But then if we took time to look at the rest of 25, then he talks about the sheep and the goats. It just picks up intensity as you move through chapter 25. Jesus is gracious, but he's truth. Thank you, Peggy. He is truth. And he, he starts with all these things I've just talked about. You want to know when? You don't get to know when, but you better be ready. And then he says, let's talk a little bit about what I've given you and what you should do with it while you're in the waiting, while you're in the unanswered win. And then let me tell you how it's going to end. There's a moment where the sheep, the goats and the sheep are separated and it's terrible to be a goat. And it's blessed to be a sheep. So our text this morning, what I want us to focus on is verse 14. After he talks about 20, or in 24, the, the events, uh, we're told in verse 13, um, he says, therefore be alert because you don't know either the day or the hour. That's kind of his thought leading into our text. He's talked about the virgins being ready. They're not ready. In chapter 24, verse 3, we're told that the disciples approach him pri privately and they're looking for answers. And again, their, their question was, when? And he doesn't give it to them. He doesn't give it to us. He just says, learn from the virgins. Be prepared. Have your oil. Be ready and now he's going to talk about 
our time in this waiting. It's just like a man going on a journey. He calls his own slaves, his servants together, and he turns over his possessions to, to them, his resources. To one he gives five talents, to another two, and to another one. To each according to his own ability, his own capacity. Then he goes on a journey. Is this sounding familiar at all? Are you, can you connect it to chapter 24? A master says, hey, I'm going away for a while. I'm going to leave you with resources. It's good that I go away because if I go away, then the Holy Spirit will come and he will live in you and he'll teach you everything you need. Man, amazing. But I'm going to come back. I'm going to go on a long journey and I'm going to come back. So he goes on a long journey and immediately the man who had received five talents went and he puts them to work. He earns five more. In the same way, the man who had been given two earns two more, but the man who had received one talent went off, dug a hole in the ground, and hid his master's money. Now let me just pause for a second. This is what we always do when we read this text. We, we try to figure out if we're what? If we're the five guy or the two guy or the one guy, okay? Doesn't matter. So just stop. Because all you're going to do is you're going to false humility, go, I'm a one, when you really think you're a two or a five. Or you're going to go, I'm a five, when you're really a one. Doesn't matter. Okay? It does not matter. Each are unique. And I want you to make sure that you catch this. He gave five, two, one to each according to his or own ability, capacity. Do you realize that we're, as, and I think we touched on this this morning too, Peggy. I don't even need to preach. You know, that we're each created uniquely by God. And that includes our capacity. There's no more value, God places no more value on the five than he does on the one. Because he's sovereign, amen? And he's good and he knows what he's doing. And he gives us different capacity on purpose and then he gives us resources according to that capacity. This moment, our moment, here's the truth that I want us to grab a onto was determined by the master. You don't believe me? We're still, still arguing with ourselves of whether we're a five, a two, or one. Okay, doesn't matter. If you're a five, you're a five because God designed you to be a five and he'll supply you what you need to take five and turn it into 10. If you're a two, it's because he's designed you to be a two. He has equal value, places equal value on you as a two as he does on the five. And he'll give you exactly what you need to take what he's given you and use it to build his kingdom and turn it into more, rare fruit. And if you're here this morning and you're a one, it's by his design, it's in his goodness, and he'll give you exactly what you need to take the capacity, the uniqueness you have as a one, and turn it into fruitfulness for his kingdom. Church, we gotta grab a hold on that. We gotta stop comparing. We gotta stop comparing our lives to other people's lives or our situations to other people's situations or our pain to other people's pain or our marriage to other people's marriage or our finances. You with me? I could just keep going. We do it all the time. And this is a part of us being spiritual hoarders because we go down those roads and then we come to conclusions and we put them on the shelf and we put it in the box and we put it in the bag. These bags at Ross and Marshalls and TJ Maxx are amazing, but I think we have 467, I think I counted the other day, just in our room. 
They're great to put stuff in, but not great to put spiritual hoarding into, and that's what we do when we compare. You're always going to find someone with greater capacity than you are, and you're going to be jealous and bitter, and you could always find someone with less capacity, and you'll be filled with pride and arrogance. None of those things belong in the kingdom of God. None of those things are God's design. This moment that you and I are in is our moment, and it was determined specifically by the goodness and the faithfulness of God. Thank you. Who was that? Okay. Bring this guy a cup of coffee or something. Thank you. No. A donut. Bring him a donut. Where I live, what I have at my disposal, the circumstances in which I live, the family, yes, my family... (laughs) I'm looking at my parents. (laughs) My family is all by God's design. They say, well, what about the choices that people make? No, sin is not God's design. But the people, the circumstances, he's so much bigger than people's choices, including my own. God help us to never think for a second that our choices, our rebellion, our wrongness is somehow thwarting God's plans. It's not. It never will. I don't care if you're the governor of California or the president of the United States. Your choices will not thwart the plan of God. It will not come in between God and his goodness and his faithfulness to creation. He loves this world. Do we believe that? For God so loved this world. That was a long time ago. No, for God so loves the world in 2023. All of its mess, all of our brokenness, all of our hurtful choices... Do not come between God and his goodness and his love for us, for this world, for that precious little boy right there, and all of us. This moment and all the mess was determined by the master. He chose when to go on a journey. Do you realize that? He's the master. He gets to choose. He chose when he came. He chose when he lived among us. He decided when to go to the cross. They didn't take his life. He gave it all according to the Father's plan, all according to the leading of the Holy Spirit. Who led him into the wilderness to be tempted? The Holy Spirit. Who, who ministered to him when he was at his lowest point? The Holy Spirit. Who rose him from the dead according to the word of God? The Holy Spirit. All intentional. All on a timeline of God's making, including July 16th, 2023, in the circumstances in which we live, just like these three slaves. Their moment was determined by the master. He knew them. He knew their capacity. In our case, God created us with our capacity. Do you understand what I mean when I say that? Do you ever notice that there's people that go through things in, in, in our church family like, man, I could never do that. I could never sustain. And then they're talking about you going, well, look at you. I could never do. Well, I could never get up in front and sing. I could never change a diaper in the nursery. I could never lead a small group in my home. I could, we all say that because we're all different. We're body parts. My heart has a different capacity than my toenail. Just saying, it does. But I'm sure thankful for that toenail. I'm thankful when it grows the way it's supposed to and not sideways and whatever, you know, you with me? Okay. (laughs) Different capacities all by design. And they fit within the body so that there's health. My moment, your moment, this moment was determined by the master. These three guys had it determined, was determined by their master. He intentionally gives them what he gives them. He intentionally goes on a trip. He intentionally gives them direction. Do you see that? 
Can you say amen to that? Can we? Maybe some of us need to hover here for a moment because that there's a lot wrapped up in that, right? If you're still thinking about your spiritual hoarding and what you have in your, the home of your mind and heart, there's a lot there. You're telling me that this moment, I was created for this moment to live by faith, to make disciples, build his kingdom right here, right now in this mess. And Jesus would walk up here on the stage and say, absolutely. I love you, I know you, and I believe in you. Because the Holy Spirit moved into you as a child of God when I adopted you into the family. And you have the Holy Spirit. And I believe that you have everything you need to live out my plan right here, right now. After a long time, the master of those slaves comes and he settles accounts with them. Read that carefully because that's a part of our story, right? The end of chapter 25, the sheep and the goats, it's going to happen. The master of those slaves comes, he settles accounts. The man who had received five talents approached. He came up, presented five more talents. Here's what you gave me. Here's, what, here's the fruit of those five talents. I put them to work, what you gave me. And he said, Master, you gave me five. Look, I've earned five more. His master said to him, two words. Just say the first two words. His master said to him, well done. Aren't those sweet words? Come on, we still love to hear that. I love to hear it from my wife. When we're doing renovations, when she comes in and goes, oh, is it supposed to look like that? <laughs> but when she comes in and goes, ooh, she doesn't say well done. She just goes, ooh, you know, say her own way. But she's saying well done. And I, yeah, thank you. A boss, a spouse, even a child, right? One of our kids or grandkids. Good job, Papa, good job. Put a little sprinkler on the trampoline. There's this little thing you can, it's, and they're like, woohoo. I'm like the favorite pop all of a sudden. Well done, Kurt, well done. You gave me five, I've earned five more. His master said, well done, good and faithful slave. Well done. You were good, you were faithful. You were faithful over a few things. So if you're bragging this morning about being a five, notice that Jesus says, that's just a few things. So come down a notch or two. Come join us twos and ones, you know, fellowship with us for a while. Okay, some of you aren't laughing. You should all, we should all be smiling at least. I will put you in charge of many things. Share your master's joy. I love this phrase. The master's joy is you. The master's joy specifically is producing fruit in you and through you. That's what gives him joy. For the joy that was before him, he endured the cross. Who is that? That's us. Well, yes, Jesus endured, but who was the joy? It's us. Specifically, the master has great joy when he sees his children that he designed specifically in a certain way, with certain capacity, a certain body part to live in a certain day and age, and then he gives them what they need, and then they fulfill that purpose, and they bear fruit. And he has joy. Share in your master's joy. Isn't that good? It's good. Then the man with two talents, he comes up. And he says, Master, you gave me two. Look, I've earned two more. And his master said to him, exactly the same thing. Do you see any hint of going, oh, only two? <laughs> well, your brother did five, <laughs> just saying. There's none of that. And that's significant, is it not? Come on now. In the economics of grace, it's significant. 
He says, same thing, well done, good and faithful slave. You're faithful over a few things. I will put you in charge of many things. Share your master's joy. Again, the master's joy is rooted in fruitfulness of his children. Doesn't matter if it's five or two. And oh, how sad that the next one coming up could have heard the exact same thing. Do you believe that? I do. He could have walked up and said, you gave me one, look, I, I, I did another one. Well done, good and faithful servant. Enter into your master's joy. Because he's just as excited, he's just as thankful, God is, about the heart, whoever is a heart, as he is about the mouth or the eye or the toenail. I don't know if we believe that, but it's true. He's just as excited about the toenail in the body of Christ doing what the toenail is supposed to do as he is about the heart doing what the heart is supposed to do. He's no less excited about that nerve here, there, whatever. And how sad that this guy could have heard the exact same thing, and he didn't, did he? The one with one talent also approached, and he says, Master, I know you. You're difficult. You have expectations, is what he's saying. Reaping where you haven't sown, gathering where you haven't scattered seed. So I was afraid, and I went off, and I hid your talent in the ground. Look, you have what is yours. And he brings back that one talent. But his master replied to him, you eat, and he, listen to these words. You evil, lazy slave. If you knew that I reap, if you knew I had expectations that your life would bear fruit, if you knew that, then you should have deposited my money with the bankers. You should have produced some fruit with what I gave you. And when I returned, I would have received my money back with interest. And he would have said, enter into your master's joy. But he didn't, did he? Here's the hard reality, at least for me. This moment, my moment, our moment, reveals both faithfulness and fearfulness. And if we're honest, maybe we would say that this, this is tr both of them are true of me sometimes. Can we wear that? I can. There's days when God shows up and I let him, I make room, and he rearranges, and there's faithfulness in the midst of tough work, tough circumstances, and fruit comes. Woohoo! Well done. There's other days where I don't, I don't want to get out of bed, and I'm just I'm, I'm afraid of my own shadow, and it's like no, I, there's no no path that I that I can take that's not going to be hard or painful, or there's not going to be loss, and I don't know what I'm doing, and so I'm just going to stay in bed. I'm just going to bury what God's given me today. The truth of this this message from Jesus is your moment, whatever it looks like is going to reveal faithfulness or fearfulness. I hope we can get past the, the five, the two, and the one and just hear the heart, hear the words of the master, the sovereignty, the goodness, the provision of the master, the expectations, the urgency. Do you hear urgency in his words? I do. You know why I feel urgency is because, and, and this is maybe divine, because I don't know when. I don't know when. When I was a kid, we lived over here, we had a big piece of property, and once in a while, I would do something dumb. Once in a while. Some, so once in a while, I had really bad days. We'll just put it, we'll leave it at that. And no, you can't talk to my parents to find out what I'm talking about. 
But my mom would reach her breaking point and she would say, wait. Yeah. Now, my dad had many jobs growing up and he was a hard worker and so he didn't just do a nine to five. So the result of that, and particularly when he was framing houses, he was out working, building houses, I had no idea when he was gonna come home. But I had kind of an idea of that threshold like I knew he wouldn't be home until, I don't know, maybe two o'clock. So I was free to do what I want. <laughs> okay, I'm free, you know. Yeah, mom, I'll wait till dad gets home. But there came a moment in the afternoon when I started going, wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute. I don't know, I better get my ducks in a row. I better start getting ready because my dad's gonna come home at some point. And it, it played out the same way every time. Hey, dad, hey. But he would just go right in the house. Maybe he knew. He'd go in the house and I could see him through the window having a conversation. And we had one acre, so I'd be at the very back far corner raking leaves or something, you know, give him more time to cool down as he got to me. But there was a point where, I, man, I better, I better get ready because it's going to happen. There was an urgency to how I was living from that moment on. And I think maybe that's God's intent in not telling us when. That we would live each day, that we would live July 16, 2023 with a sense of urgency. Because right here, right now, today, how I live today is going to reveal one of two things. You're going to see faithfulness in my life, in my words, in my attitudes, or you're going to see fear. I know you have expectations, God, and I know you're coming, and I know there's a settling. And ah, so I'm just going to bury, and I'm just going to hide, and I'm going to wait. And maybe we just throw ourselves on the mercy of the master. Is that a good idea? No, he's merciful and he's gracious, but he does have expectation. This is our moment. He put us here on purpose. So take the talent from him, the guy with one. Give it to the one who has ten, for to everyone who has, more will be given. And he will have more than enough. But from the one who does not have, even what he has will be taken away from him. And throw this good-for-nothing slave. Ooh. Did you know that was in the Bible? That was in the Word of God? Good-for-nothing slave. Let me, let me soften a little bit. Unproductive, unfruitful is what he's saying. Outer darkness. In that place there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. This picture shows up many times in God's Word. And it always speaks of the same thing. It speaks of separation from God. This servant, this third one, is actually not even one of God's servants. He has the look, he has the appearance, he's showing up on Sunday morning. He's got some divinely designed capacity and, and God's welcoming to him. Judas come to mind? Welcoming, yeah, yeah. But he says the outcome of the one who thinks of this moment in these terms that I'm afraid of what's happening, I'm afraid of what's going on around us and I don't know what to do and so I'm just gonna, that person actually does not know the master as they claim. Isn't that what he claims? I know you and I don't, no, you don't know me. You don't know me. Take away what's been given to him and then the very next words in, in G, come out of Jesus' mouth are the sheep and the goats. And he talks about that moment when we all stand before him. And it's sobering, folks. This should be sobering. It is to me.
Can you agree with me that our moment, this moment today has eternal consequences? Doesn't it? What you do with today matters. What you do with the time, talent, and treasure that he's put at your disposal, what you and I do with the power of the Holy Spirit in us, grieve him, surrender to him, we sang about it this morning, what I do with right now today has eternal consequences. Now he's not teaching that we lose our, our, our standing, our salvation in him. But Paul does say in another place that you better really examine to make sure that you know the master. Work out your salvation with fear and trembling, with a sense of, of honesty. Do I know him? Do I know that he has expectations? Yes. Do I know that there's an urgency to God's plan? Yes. Do I know that his plan is good and that it's going to happen according to his timeline? Yes. Do I know that he's uniquely designed me and created me with capacity? Yes. Has he given me everything I need to live that out? Can we try that one more time? Okay, thank you. Let me... Let me throw out some questions, or first a couple statements and then questions. You still tracking with me? Okay, good. What we have been given is determined by the master's intimate understanding of who he has designed us to be. If you're a follower of Jesus Christ, wear that. Put that on like a coat and leave this morning with that truth. What we have been given, your, your, your spiritual gifts, your capacity, your abilities, your resources, everything that you have, Instead of walking out with, oh, I don't like what I am. I don't like what he's given me. I don't want to be this. I want to be something else. Let's wear this. What I have been given is determined by the master's intimate understanding of who I am. Stephen referenced the womb this morning. That passage also says that every day of your life is in the book before you're ever born. Every moment of your life is intimately known by God before it ever takes place. No set of circumstances are a surprise to him. That'd be a good place for... Amen. Okay, thank you. Bring him another donut. Why he has given us what he has reveals who we are in him, who we are to him, and who we are for him. Who am I in him? I am a child of God. Jesus is the firstborn of many brothers and sisters, and he's my older brother. I'm in the family. Who am I in him? I'm safe. I'm secure. I'm going to hear, well done. If I understand who I am to him, I'm a disciple maker, guys. I'm a dad, I'm a father, a papa, I'm, I, I'm a friend, I'm a husband, I got all kinds of titles, I have amazing relationships, grandfather of, I don't know how many grandkids, I stopped counting. Um, not kidding, I, I'm, I'm kidding, I know. Um, but most important is who I am to Jesus. I am here on this planet to make disciples for Jesus Christ. And when that journey is done for me, my heart will stop or I'll stop breathing and absent from the body, I'll be present with him. And I will stand before him. And my, my heartfelt prayer is that I will hear him say, well done, good and faithful servant. There was certainly some fearfulness exposed, but there was a lot of faithfulness exposed in the moment that I placed you. Because you leaned on me. You knew me. You knew that I expected you to be, live with urgency to make disciples in the moment that I placed you in. 
that nothing else mattered more in, in your marriage, in your parenting, in your grandparenting, in your friendships, in your neighborhood, in your workplace. Nothing mattered more that you just took what I gave you and you used it to, to produce fruit. Let me produce fruit through you. Make disciples who make disciples. If Jesus was here, he'd walk in and say, that's who you are. Heather, that's who you are to me. I've put you in a set of circumstances and I've allowed things and some of them are hard, but I have you right where I want you to be because I want you to make disciples for me. And he would say that to each and every one of us in our circumstances. What he has given me, what he's given us, reveals who I am in him, who I am to him, and who I am for him. I am salt and light. How about you? Yeah? Me too. Sometimes I'm just a little LED light. Sometimes I'm one of those 10,000 lumens flashlights, you know, or one of those blue headlights on the front on the car that everybody, you know, ah, why is that so blue? Other times I'm that little lantern that we had at camp that over time it just kind of, you know, does that. And then you charge it up and the next day, I'm just trying to be real. But that's who I am for him. That's who we are for him. We're salt and light. All right, let me throw out some questions and we're done. I want you to just think with me. What are you doing with your moment? We started by asking what we shouldn't be doing with our moment. I don't want to do that. Identify those things. Let's, let's identify our spiritual hoarding that we're all capable of. And then let's ask positively, God, what should I be doing with this moment? Do you know your spiritual gifts? Do you acknowledge the, the, the talents and the abilities that he's given you? Do you acknowledge that what you have in the bank is actually not yours, but it's his? That ability and capacity you have to teach, I just saw Laura and it popped into my head. That ability you have to teach young minds. What are you doing with that in this moment? Whatever it is that he's given, let's get past the five, the two, and the one, the comparing, and let's embrace who he's made us to be, and then let's be found faithful in this moment. What are you doing with what he's given you? What are you afraid of? Okay, let me, let me um, preface this though. Guys, church, friends, family, brothers and sisters, can we please stop whining and complaining about what's going on in our world? Can we stop lamenting who's not in power or the laws that are passed or not passed? I'm not saying don't, don't stop voting and don't stop speaking truth and don't stop standing up against things that are evil. That's all a part of our responsibility in this moment. But let's stop whining and complaining that, that, that the, the world's going to hell in a handbasket. And it's like, oh, you know, we're just, we're using up so much time and energy with what we don't like that we have very little energy and passion left to give to what he does like. That was an amen, I'll translate, amen. So with that understanding, what are you afraid of? What's, what's, what's keeping you from being fruitful? Taking what you have. Maybe it's you just are still comparing, five, two, one. Maybe that's where you gotta start. Well, I don't have what I need. Yes, you do. Yes, you do. What is keeping me from being faithful in this moment? And finally, are you living for today with eternity in mind? Are you gonna spend today, Sunday afternoon, Sunday evening, July 16th, 2023, with eternity in mind? Now that's that you got to do that intentionally because I'll tell you if, if you want you want a glimpse into my soul, what I'm thinking about right now. I'm hungry. I'm really hungry. I don't know why, but I'm really hungry, and I'm thinking, what are we going to do for lunch? 
And by the way, it's your birthday this week, so we should go out for your birthday today. Did I say that? Already said that? That she turns, okay. Um, <laughs> you know, it's, it's very possible just to live for today. And I say, well, eternity in mind? What I do for lunch? Certainly. What you put into your body matters. What you spend on it matters. We can pause and go, okay, is this, you know, he's provided me with this amount. Should I go to Ruth Chris Steakhouse today? And No, <laughs> the answer is no. You know, because I, I, I want to go, I'm not going to go to McDonald's, but, you know, well, maybe. But are you, are you with me? We so easily think about today and we just go through the motions and we do without eternity in mind. But if we believe Jesus' words, this moment has eternal consequences. So when you go into that restaurant and you're just thinking about the week and you're like, ah, oh, I gotta do this and that, and that person is serving you and you're just, you're rude to them, you're blowing them off, you're not even seeing them. You're not living in the moment with eternity in mind. You're not, hey, how are you? How's your day? Hey, when you give that tip, oh, let's get real. <laughs> when you give that tip, are you giving that tip with eternity in mind? Right? Well, you know, I got to have this much for the week. Or are we thinking, how do I bless this person? How do I communicate to this person appreciation? It's just money. But how can I use this moment to impact eternity? Do you think giving a tip can impact eternity? It absolutely can. Everything that he's given us, we can use to impact eternity. All right, I could preach another whole message. Are you living for today with eternity in mind? What, here's the final question, what changes with our time, our talent, and our treasure when we think eternally? I want you to think on that with me this week. What, what changes? When I start thinking, what, what changes? How do, I, how do I see my money, my resources, my time, talent, treasure differently when I think about eternity. This is our moment. What are we gonna do with it? If we believe all the things that Jesus reveals in this about him and about us to him, then we've gotta answer the question. What are we gonna do with this moment? This is our moment. This is your moment, this is my moment. Let's not waste our moment. Amen. Because we're all going to stand before him one day. Michael, I'm going to invite you to come up. We have some announcements. And while he's coming, it's okay to open your eyes while we're praying. The rest of us are going to do what we need to do to just focus. But come on up and join me. Father, thank you for this moment. Thank you for today. Thank you for your, your eternal perspective the plans that you have for us, for each one of us in this room, whether we've put our faith in your son Jesus or not, you love every human being in this room. You've created every human being in this room with specific intent, intentionality, and there's an urgency to every one of our lives that you have placed on us. And I wanna say thank you. Thank you, Father, for loving this world so much that you sent Jesus, and Jesus, you love us so much that you were willing to come to suffer, to die, to take our place, to rise from the grave, to conquer sin and death. And thank you, Holy Spirit, for moving in. When we give our lives to you in faith, we confess Jesus as Lord, you move in and you stay. And you don't give up. And you're everything that we need. So thank you for this moment. Help each of us, help Michael and I to live in this moment 
Like we believe this is our moment that you gave us. Knowing, believing with the conviction that one day we will stand before you. And we long to hear, well done, good and faithful servant. And all God's people said, Amen. Amen.